Okay, let's start with a little confession here. Um, here's, here's my confession to you. I like being around people who are um, like me. I like being around people who are like me. And I like being around people who like me. Right? It, it's just, it's easier that way. A lot more fun, it's natural, talking, listening, understanding, connecting. I just like being around people who are like me and like me. But I'm not the only one. See, you feel the same way about you. I know you do. It's human nature. We naturally kind of group up with people who are like us and people who like us. But what about people who are not like me? And what about people who don't like me? I mean, listen, I was just as surprised as you are. (laughs) But they're out there. Yeah, what about people who are not like you, different than you, and people who don't really like you? And to be quite honest, you don't like them, or I have a hard time liking them. What do you do? Because you can't really go through life isolating yourself and insulating yourself from everybody that's different than you. There's 7 billion people on the planet, right? We have to interact with one another. And, And you work with them. And you go to school with them. You're in class with them. Uh, They're in your family. And you know what? There's a good chance you're married to them. At at least some of the time, right? Yeah. So so what do we do do with that dynamic? I'll tell you what we do. We we have to do life with them. We, We have to figure out a way to do life with all. People that are like us. People that are not like us. People that like us. And people that don't like us, and we have a hard time liking. By God's design, this is so important, get this. I'm going to show you. By God's design, intentionally, God created us to do life with people who are like us and with people who are not like us. We're to be with each other. In fact, I'll take it a step further. We need each other. And as we will see, We are actually better off with each other in our lives. Both people that are like us and even people that are not so much like us. Now here at the summit, we encourage people to get into small groups. And and there's a a thought behind this. And we'll talk a little bit about that in in a few minutes. But one one of the ideas that drives this, why we want people to get in groups together, is because we believe... That following Jesus is better together. This is why we want people to get in groups. Because we believe following Jesus is better together. That following Jesus is better when you are following Jesus with people who are like you and whom you like. And they like you. And that's easy, right? It's easy to follow Jesus with people when you have that much in common. But following Jesus is also better together with people that are not like you, that are very different than you. You don't like them, they don't like you, and there's some, there's some rift there. In fact, as we will see in just a little bit, there are some parts to following Jesus that you only experience when you're around difficult people. Some of the, some of the greatest parts of following Jesus you only get to experience around people who are not like you 
and you have a hard time getting along with. But following Jesus is better together. It's an immersive experience, really. Following Jesus, we're better at it when we're with other people that are also trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus, whether they're like us or not. It's very much like learning the English language. I've been told that if you have to learn how to speak English and it's not your, um, the language you were born into, it's not your native language, if it's your second language, that the English language is one of the most difficult languages to learn how to speak because there's so many different rules and so many different exceptions. And, and I, I, that's what I've been told. Now, now you and I were born, and most of you born in America, if you grew up English-speaking country, uh, or part of the world, you learned English. You learned how to speak English. Get this, before you ever took an English class, didn't you? And you know how you learned how to speak English? It's immersive. You were just around it. You were just in the room when it was being spoken to you and around you, and you kind of picked it up. That's how you got good at it, right? Yeah, and you learned. You learned that, that good means good, and that bad means bad. Except sometimes bad means good, right? You know, bad means bad when it's like, ah, the milk is bad, and the chunks tell me so. But other times bad means good, like, that's a bad pair of shoes, man. Right, we know. Like, wait a second, there's a rule on that? There's a rule? We just picked that up. And that great is great, unless you're frustrated and you're having a bad day, and it's, oh, great. Now great is not great. And nobody tells you that. You just pick it up on your own. Are you with me? Listen very carefully. Following Jesus is very much like that. It's an immersive experience. And you pick it up. Now, you can learn about following Jesus by like picking up a Bible and reading and, and all of that. And nothing wrong with that. That's an excellent thing to do. But I'm telling you, the most effective way to learn how to follow Jesus is being around other people who are learning how to follow Jesus. And together, you follow Jesus. It is better together. And I'll be the first to tell you there are all kinds of contexts in our, in our world where we can learn what it's like to follow Jesus with other people that are learning what it means to follow Jesus. Small groups at the summit is just one of those environments. But because it is a great environment, and I believe one of the best environments in the context of the local church, we encourage you to get in a group. Now, some of you right now, you're going, man, that's the last thing I need. I don't need another thing to do. I don't need another thing to attend. To be quite honest, I really don't even need more people in my life. My card is full. I'm good. I, I just don't need. Now, some of you are going, oh, I love, I love people, and I love groups, and I'm in five groups because I love people so much. Yeah, you're the, you're the people that we call people people. Isn't that an odd description? Oh, you're a people people kind of person. Imagine, again, another weird thing of English. If you just say the word twice, we know. Yeah, there's the people, 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 and they just give you energy. That's good. For you, you get this. This comes natural to you. You're an extrovert. Now, for some people like me, a little more borderline introvert kind of thing, I extrovert on the weekends on Sunday. You get my extroverted side right now, but it, I have to recover from it. It wears me out, right? I have to work really hard to do the people thing. I do. It doesn't come natural. To me, and some of you are like me, you're more extroverted. But here's the deal I mean, introverted. Introverts need to be around people too. Sometimes an introvert needs to be in a room with another introvert and not talk to each other. We're just, this is good. You're good. Mm -hmm. You're good. Mm -hmm. It's great. 
it's, it's great. Like if we ever go fishing together, we probably ain't gonna talk much. And I'll come home and Donna's like, oh, did you have fun? Yeah, I had a great time. What'd you guys talk about? We didn't. <laughs> but you had a great time. Yep. Cause we were fishing. We didn't go talking. <laughs> we went fishing. Anyway, I'm sorry, you didn't wanna know that. But that's me. You need to know that. You need to know that if you're out there going, I don't know, groups, I don't know, I don't know. I'm with you. I'm with you. It, it's, really, it's, it's really challenging sometimes for me to do the people thing. Because I'm a pastor, I'm around people all the time. And I end up talking a lot. I end up talking a lot to people who tend to be a lot. <laughs> you got those people in your life? They tend to be a lot. Yeah, as a pastor, I talk a lot to people that, and some of you feel guilty right now. You're going, oh no, he's thinking about me. No, well, maybe, but it's exhausting. So maybe you're going, well, why? Why then do it, pastor? Why bother? Why bother doing life with other people if it doesn't come natural, if it's something you have to choose, if it's something you have to work at, why? Here's why. Because a connection with other people, it's spiritual. It's not just relational. I'm getting ready to show you. It's a spiritual thing. This is not just about a relationship with other human beings. Being in relationship with other people that are like you, and it's easier then, and who are not like you, and it's more challenging then, both scenarios meet a need in your life by God's design, even when you don't see it, know it, or like it. People like you and people that are different from you are needed for your spiritual journey. In order for you to better follow Jesus, you need people in your life that are like you and people in your life that are not like you. And that immersive experience is something you cannot follow Jesus well without it without both scenarios, and that is by God's design. And that's why from the very beginning in the local church, there's always been a high value on relationships, which is interesting because you know how we describe um, the Christian life? At least in the South, at least in the Western world, we describe it as a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Do you have a personal relationship? Do you have a personal relationship? When we hear that, that's like, yeah, we all get it. We, all, we understand. If we've been around it, we understand. If you're not a church person or if you haven't been around church much, you go, mm, that's interesting. Isn't he, isn't he like not here? Like, how do you get a personal relationship? And so maybe it sounds a little weird to you. It can sound a little odd, but we, that's code. We just kind of know, yeah. And so what it does, though, if you hear that enough and say that enough, you begin to subconsciously think, well, this is just between me and God. This is just me and Jesus, my my. This is just a me and God thing. This is just a me and Jesus thing, and it ain't. It's not. No, no, you were meant to follow Jesus alongside other people who are following Jesus. You hear these scenarios of, you know, how would you follow Jesus if you were deserted on an island all by yourself? And my answer to that is not very well. Not very well, because we need each other by God's design. Let me show you a snapshot of this. I want to take you back to the same passage a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the local church. We read through this passage. I want to read through it again, but I want to highlight some different things that shows you the relational connection that is embedded into the fabric and the framework of what the local church is all about. Here's a description of the very first church in Acts chapter 2. 
All the believers devoted themselves, so they devoted themselves, it's important, and what you're getting ready to read is something they said, we wanna be intentional about this. Here's a word, fellowship. It's Christian code for hanging out, right? It's a word we don't use much, I don't use it much, you don't use it much. In fact, if you hear somebody use it, you know that they go to church, right? Because that's about the only contact you're gonna hear, and they usually throw a brother or sister in there, which is kind of weird and a little cultish, you know, we had good fellowship, brother. And I'm just like, now I know it doesn't, it doesn't weird me out, but can you imagine from the outside listening in to that kind of stuff? It's, it's okay, fellowship. But what is it? It's a good thing, even though it's, a, it's an odd word. It's, we don't use it a lot, but it's just hanging out, doing life. We, we did life together. They did life together, fellowship. And they shared their meals. They ate together. You're gonna see this again. I'm telling you, food is spiritual. There's something about it. Let's keep reading. All the believers, they met together in one place. See, following Jesus is not just about you and the Bible. No, no, no. I mean, that's an important part of stuff. They met together and they shared everything they had. In other words, you got needs that I can meet. I've got needs that you can meet. We share and we meet each other's needs. And they worshiped together. They worshiped together. And they met in their homes. Y'all come over. Come over and bring the kids and we're gonna spend time together. They met in these homes and they experienced the Lord's Supper, their communion together, even in their homes. And they, here we go again, they shared their meals. Something about it. Isn't it, isn't it interesting how relationships are built over food? You think it's a culinary thing. No, I believe it's a spiritual thing. With great joy and generosity. It's hard to be generous when it's just you. Who are you being generous to? Right? There, there's a connection there. Generosity takes relationship. And watch this. All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all. All. All the people. All the people that are like me and that I like. And all the people that are not like me and have difficulty liking. All the people who like me and all the people who have a hard time with me. All the people. All the people who see it the way I see it. And, and all the people who don't see it the way I see it. All the people who vote like I vote. And even all the people who don't vote like I vote. Just all the people. You see, there's something in the local church dynamic that happens when all the people come together and participate. Let me show you something else that illustrates this further. Again, we're talking about this is a spiritual thing. Connection with other people, this is spiritual. There's some things about following Jesus that you're really only gonna experience in relationship with other people. There's a whole section of verses and passages, especially in the New Testament, but some of them float into the Old Testament as well, but they're, they're what we call the one another passages, the one another passages. It's the places in the Bible and the scripture where we're commanded to do something for one another, with one another, to one another, um, or challenged to do so. And very, very interesting. There's over 50 of these, and we're not gonna read all 50 of them, aren't you glad? Right. Um, 50 plus of these one another's. But let me just give you a snapshot. Here, here's just a summary of the things that we are told and challenged to do together 
where we're better together when we do these things together. And they're really hard to experience in their fullness in isolation from each other. We need each other to experience these things. Look at these one another's. Again, this is just a snapshot. We'll start with the most obvious. Love one another, right? It's really hard to experience love without and show love without being in relationship with other people. And it's easy to love people that are like you, but you really experience the power of love when you are loving someone that's not like you. That's when love really gets interesting and powerful. You see? Be at peace with one another. Be devoted to one another. Be kind. Build up and encourage one another. You'll find this in the New Testament several times. You'll find this one a lot. Forgive one another. Forgive one another. Forgiveness is one of those things that you really don't get to experience until you're rubbing shoulders with people that tick you off, who upset you who think differently and do things differently and I don't understand why he and I don't understand why she and this is the most ridiculous and I can't believe, ooh, great opportunity. We can forgive one another. Be patient. Yeah, why would you need to be patient when people get on your nerves, right? People that are not like you, accept one another. Some of you are gonna really like this, right? Accept one another. You're like, yes, I love that. Do not judge. Yes, absolutely. And some of you are like, oh, I love these. But wait, you got to keep reading because all the one another's, if you put them all together, you get these too. It's not just accepting and whatever goes. No, no, no. Sometimes you admonish one another, which means you will warn one another and go, wait, 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 wait. I accept you. I love you just like you are, but you can't, you can't keep doing what you're doing. See, accepting people as they are, that's part of the one another's. But challenging them to become more of who God created them and determined them to be, hmm, that's also a part of one another's. And you challenge one another. At the same time, you're loving them, by the way, right? You do all this at the same time. Interesting. You serve one another. We carry each other's burdens. These are things you can't do in isolation. You can't carry other people's burdens if you're not in relationship with other people. And this is a command. We submit to one another. This one's challenging. We've talked about the word submit is simply you before me, you before me, you before me. It's hard to you before me if you're the only one. You have to be in a relationship with people and bear with. You bear with each other. I love that one. It's one of my favorite because sometimes bearing with someone is a bear. So much, you can barely do it. I'll stop. There's more, <laughs> but I'll stop. All of these, look, all of this, I need this. You need this. We need this. And we need each other. People that are like us and people that are not like us in order to follow Jesus this way. This, my friends, is the way of Jesus to do this for one another. And again, this is why we encourage people to get in small groups around here. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that small groups are only one environment. They're only one way to experience this. You can and should experience these one another's in your marriage. A marriage that is honoring to God is a marriage that operates with these one another's in the way of Jesus. You should be experiencing and practicing these one another's in your friendships. This makes great friendships when you do in your family. 
with your brother and sister and people you work with, people in your neighborhood that don't mow their grass or mow yours too short, right? You stay on your side. Kind of thing, you know, uh, you name it. Every relationship dynamic you have needs these one another's. But this is the faith community we want you to experience. This is the spiritual family we want you to experience because following Jesus is better when you're following Jesus with other people, learning how to follow Jesus. It's an immersive experience. You just kind of pick it up and learn. You get better at it when you're doing it with people that are like you and people that are not like you. Let me say it another way when it comes to groups. Being grouped up with people like you and not like you, actually help you better receive and share the love of Jesus. It's another way of saying it. Help you better receive Jesus' love. There are some parts of the love of Jesus you will only experience through the love of others. Let me come at it like this. In the Old Testament, before Jesus came and died, was buried and rose again. In the Old Testament days of the tabernacle, and then the temple, the high priest mediated between people and God by design. It's the way God drew it up before Jesus' time. And if you wanted forgiveness, you went through the high priest. If you wanted to experience the grace and mercy and the closeness and the presence of God, you went through the high priest. You went to the high priest and then once a year, the high priest would go into the inter-sanctum part of the tabernacle, the most inner chamber called the Holy of Holies, where symbolically the presence of God resided and only the high priest could go in. Only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies because it was, it was separated off. It was separated off with a huge curtain, thick, very thick, very tall, uh, very heavy. I mean, this thing was massive and only the high priest could go in to mediate for you and me if we lived back then in the Old Testament days. So to experience, now here's why this is important, to experience the love of God the way we really wanted to experience it back then, you had to go through the high priest. On the day that Jesus died, when Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, we are told, actually the very moment Jesus died, the scriptures tell us, that that curtain, the veil, that separated the Holy of Holies inner sanctum from the rest of the temple that only the high priest could go in, that veil was torn, was rent in two from the top down, signifying that only God could have done that because it was so tall, so big, so thick, so heavy. If we, a human being, did it, we obviously would start where we could reach and that would be the bottom up, but it tore from the top down, signifying that it was an act a miraculous act of God signifying further that now there was no separation. Because of Jesus, there was no more need for a high priest. Jesus has become our great high priest. And through his spirit, which is in every single one of us who are trusting and following him, now we have direct access to the holy of holies of God. We have direct access to God on our own. I don't need a high priest. You don't need a high priest. But here's the deal. I don't need you and you don't need me. We can go directly to God. But there's another facet of this where we do need each other. 
What this also means is that now we can mediate the love of God through and for each other. That you and I can experience God's forgiveness when we forgive each other. And we can experience God's love when we love each other the way Jesus loved us. That's what Jesus was getting at. Here's my new command. I want you to love each other the way I have loved you. And so in that way, we experience the love of Jesus through each other's love. There are certain parts to following Jesus you will only experience through other people. That's by God's design. And so now I can better receive the love of Jesus. I can get to know God's grace. Do you know how I know God is gracious and merciful with me? I get to experience God's grace and God's mercy through my brothers and sisters who are gracious with me and merciful to me. Yeah. Do you know one of the ways I know that God is always with me? Because I'm surrounded with brothers and sisters in my life through whom I experience the presence of God. It's cool. It's amazing. And sharing the love of Jesus is just as big. I mean, the world, the culture, the community around us is supposed to look at us, us being followers of Jesus, spiritual family, and desire what we have and what we experience. The way God drew it up is for you and I to be in relationship with one another and follow Jesus together in such a way that the world around us looks and watches and goes, that's what I want. I don't understand what they got. I don't understand what they're doing. I don't understand what it's about. But what they have, I want, I need. I'm missing that in my life. And if that, what those people are doing and what they're about and how they treat one another, if that's what following Jesus is about, then sign me up for that. That's the idea. We better share the love of Jesus when we live the way of Jesus in front of them. Oh, I wish, I don't know, it would probably be more problematic. But in my mind, I wish that, that somebody, it doesn't have to be me, would be interviewed and go on national TV and talk about the change we need. We're talk about change, talk about change, talk about change. You know how change comes? You really know how change comes? Change doesn't come by lecturing people. We've tried that. Change doesn't come by voting out people you disagree with. We try that every four years. It's not helping. Change doesn't come by protesting the people you disagree with and yelling and, yeah, right? No, no, it doesn't, it doesn't change anything. It just gets things stirred up. And it definitely doesn't come through arguing, does it? It's not a good look on the followers of Jesus. How does change come? I'll tell you how change comes. Change comes when the people of God follow Jesus together in front of the world. Change comes when we live the way of Jesus in the world around us then God's spirit begins to work in ways that only he can. That's how change happens. I mean, you think back to the one and others. Imagine if we did that. Imagine. In fact, I'm going to throw a curveball back to our tech team. Pull up those one and others one more time. Can you click back there on that? You didn't expect this. 
Sorry, but you're so awesome. Look, there it is. Imagine if this described our world. Would this change the world? Would this change the world? Would this change your neighborhood? Would this change the school? Would, would this change your family? Would this change your marriage? Would this change? You better believe it would. Imagine if we just lived this way. That's what we're called to. And when we do, we better receive and share Jesus' love. Okay, one more. I'm almost out of time, but I, I got to show you one more thing about groups, not just receiving and sharing the love of Jesus, but there's this word. Groups display the power and beauty of the unity of the body of Christ. Because remember, we're talking about being in relationships with people that are not always like us and we're different. Unity. There's a lost word right there. You see, I'm a Christian, which means because I'm a Christian, I, I can't speak very um, well and accurately as to what a non-Christian thinks, all right? But my gut feeling tells me a non-Christian looking at Christians and churches and people who claim to be followers of Jesus, that a non-Christian from the outside looking in, if they had to pick one word to describe what Christians were like and what churches were like, they probably would not pick the word unity. You know why I think that? Because I'm on the inside and I wouldn't pick the word unity. We, we get so bent out of shape over their differences. And I don't, I don't agree with him and I don't agree with her and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we both believe in God, but I don't think and I don't disagree and I don't vote like and I wouldn't and I wouldn't do it that way and I want and, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be a part of this denomination. We're going to be part of that. No, we don't believe like them. We would do this. And, and can you imagine what a circus? It looks like a middle school playground from the outside looking in. Do you know that unity was one of the most defining characteristics of the early church? Unity, not uniformity. They were not all alike. But they came together around Jesus. Around who Jesus is and what Jesus had done for them. And Jesus' love. Oh, see, the disciples were different. They were all different. I mean, you got fishermen hanging out with tax collectors. Like That's going to be a fun lunch. The first church, they weren't all the same. You got Jews and Romans and Greeks all in the same church. And you got rich and poor and men and women and all those things were big deals back then. They all came together. In your small group, there's gonna be a lot of different people. Yeah. You're gonna have extroverts and introverts coming together, Democrats and Republicans in the same group, Carolina fans and Duke fans in the same group. You can believe that. People who want to bring donuts to the group and people that want to bring kale chips to the group. All, of, all in there. It's like a melting pot all together, right? And we follow Jesus together and it's better. It's just better. Together. That, that's why we say it over and over and over again. Why? Why get in groups? Better. Just better. Now we encourage people to get in groups at least four times a year. It's important all year round, okay? If you're not in a group, we strongly encourage you. And another thing about small groups here at the summit is it helps a big church feel personal. It helps a big church feel smaller and more intimate. See, you can't know everybody, but it doesn't mean you can't know somebody, right? And everybody can't know you, but it doesn't mean somebody can't know 
you. That's the beauty of small groups. And maybe you're thinking, dude, I got enough friends. I don't need any new friends. Great. Then group up with the friends you got. Get them together. And make sure you're following Jesus. And you're one anothering each other with the friends you got. And if you're thinking, man, I just had a really bad experience. I tried that group thing and I got really hurt and upset and I'm just done. It's just not for me because my feelings got hurt and blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, it sounds like you need a new group. Maybe you had a dud. There are dud groups. It happens. It's just people don't gel. It doesn't work. It's just it's a disaster, right? When your car breaks down, you don't stop driving, do you? Just get your car fixed. Find another car. You have a bad restaurant experience. You don't stop going out to eat. You just may not eat that chicken again. You know, so you figure it out, right? It's just amazing to me how temperamental we get. And you're like, well, I tried that and it just didn't work. Well, it sounds like you should probably lead a group and then you could create the perfect one. And you, you just your friends, it'd be perfect because you'd be leading it. It doesn't matter how you want to pull it together. Here's the deal. Following Jesus is better together with people that are like you and with people that are not like you because it's all part of it. It's all part of it in order for us to follow Jesus the way we were meant to follow Jesus. It's our desire for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the relationships that you have brought into our lives. Thank you for the people that are like us and that like us, because that sure is fun. And, and it's easy and refreshing and easy, uh, just natural. And I, some, sometimes we, we just need to be with people that are just easy to be with. But at the same time, we also desperately need to be in relationship with people that are not like us and sometimes don't like us. And people, we're not like them all the time and sometimes we don't like them all the time because it's then that we get to experience parts of following you that we would never get to experience otherwise, parts that we need. We need each other, like us, not like us. Help us to receive more of your love through each other's love. And then to share more of that love with the community around us as they look at how we one another each other and they say, that's what I want, that's what I need. And may they be drawn to you through us. And Father, I, I ask that you help us to be environments where we are living this out in small groups, but not just there, in families, in marriages, in friendships, because it's just better. When we do, it's just better together. In Jesus' name, amen.